Hey everybody, welcome to Project Ecology, a podcast located in Neverland and in a never-ending fight with a pirate named Captain Hook. I am one half of your host, Anthony, and joining me, as always, the Lord of the MCU Timeline, Dakota. Wow, the Lord of the MCU Timeline? High praise. Of course, if I ever visited Neverland, I'd instantly forget it, or at least within a couple days, I would totally forget who I am and you know any close attachments to me but uh it'd be fun at the same time um <laughs> we should get right into the podcast yes we should uh this is episode eight which by the way week... by the way speaking of episode eight most episodes or excuse me most podcasts don't last more than seven episodes that's the average so really the fact that we are over this slump is a very very good sign and we hit 500 downloads this past week most Dude, of that's awesome yeah. the majority of those was our zeroth episode <laughs> our introduction has like 150 <laughs> something listens maybe more than that at this point but we're happy that you guys are still listening to us and hopefully we get some new uh listen soon so please be sure to i guess retweet this or you know share this around on social media email your friends whatever whatever you cool kids do these days i don't know (laughs) yes so as we said before this is episode eight and in this episode we're going to be talking about the 1991 film hook starring robin williams dustin hoffman julia roberts and many more this is a different episode i would say that this is probably one of the less geekier things but there is a following for this movie before we jump into that let's talk about what what we've been up to this week dakota what have you been up to this week not too much last time i told i I told you that i was starting to play Genshin Impact. I played a little bit of that this week, but really, I haven't really had the opportunity to sit down and play too much of that. Jen and I watched the another Robin Williams movie, Dead Poets Society. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Um, I haven't seen it in years, but uh, and it was Jen's first time. And she loves poetry, so it was like right up her alley. Ooh. Not a happy ending on that one. No. No, but great film. But we're not going to be talking about Dead Poets Society today. No. I've been editing a lot, and I've been writing um, a script for a video that's coming down the pipeline. And yeah, you guys will be able to check that out on Geek Critique. Uh, should be November 1st, so that's a Sunday, next Sunday, after uh, this is released. So I'm really excited about that product. It's going to be a really big video for hopefully the channel, but you know, it'll be a cool video. You'll hopefully learn a lot. But other than that, I haven't really been doing too much. Uh, what about you, Anthony? Have you What have you been up to? Well, I've been rewatching One Punch Man. I forgot how funny it was. I hadn't seen the first season in a long time because there was such a huge gap between season one and season two. Mm-hmm. So I went back and I've been rewatching it and it is just, I forgot how ridiculous and how hilarious that anime is. And we definitely need to do an episode on, on that Punch anime Man. because yeah, it, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I forgot like how great it was. Watched Hook this week just to kind of refresh my memory on that movie. And I've been bouncing back and forth between Genshin Impact and Overwatch because I've been trying to get those Overwatch oh, the new skins. Halloween skins. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. man, I got that D.Va one and I absolutely love it. Cool. Well, yeah, so that's really all that I've been up to. And with that being said, Dakota and I have actually decided what topic we're going to be doing next week. This is probably the earliest 
that we have decided on a topic and that's going to be ready player one we'll be talking a bit about the book we'll be talking a bit about the movie and some of their differences i'm really excited because i love both mm -hmm. there are a lot of differences but i think what you'll find and what we'll um kind of cover is like how well um even though the there's a lot that's different from the the movie and the book spielberg somehow finds the heart of the story and is able to capture it on screen so right. um is he capable of capturing the heart of peter pan so that's what we're going to be talking about today uh lots of spielberg recently all right so let's just jump into the discussion of 1991's hook anthony when was the last time that you saw hook well besides this past week uh whew, that was probably when i was a kid it's been a long time i remember being in my grandparents house watching it on the couch uh and i, I loved it when i was a kid and i had a lot of actually I, I don't i don't think i had a lot of nostalgia for it just because i, I was probably too young to really grow nostalgic for it right because um, it, it came out the year that we were born so yes we caught it on vhs whatever at the time so this was fun revisiting i had to unfortunately pay for the rental twice because i i rented it last week but only got halfway through and i was like i can't finish watching this and then we decided we were going to do a show on it so oh i had to rent gosh. it again today but it's all right i actually liked the second half of the the movie better than the first half yes i do agree with that the first half is a bit it kind of drags on a little bit mm -hmm. but then when you get into that second half it's really entertaining that's where the camp kind of like kicks in it's really campy kicks high but gear. yeah man something that i really enjoy about that movie is just the sets you know it has like that just that classic like night like kind of 80s 90s like realistic set but you can tell that it's fake that's one thing that i like you know mentioned several times to jen when we were watching this there was just so much to enjoy about the actual set design and the costumage that they did for pretty much everyone and it's not necessarily the best sets ever but they put a lot of time and thought into each item yeah and i i think that really brings neverland to life in a way that we've never really seen before talking about this movie is a bit odd because it's a bit of a weird dream it's kind of a sequel would you say to like peter pan it's but it's its own thing it's kind of weird so yes um it was intended to be a sequel to the peter pan book by jm barry and the walt disney mm. film even though it's technically not it's not a disney movie um they actually do take certain stuff from the movie side of uh the peter pan thing um the old like 50s movie yes and they carry it over into the story but most of it is from the book uh, most of the the references that they make are from the book, so I like I like little stuff like that with uh, the the references. And Jen and I we recently read Peter Pan by J M Barry. It's it's a classic story, and it's one of those movies or it's one of those stories that I wonder if it even would be popular still if it wasn't for the Walt Disney film. You know what I'm saying? Like that Alice in Wonderland, Pinocchio, Snow White. Would we even know these stories nowadays? Would would we have the the um, collective memory of these characters and stuff if it weren't for the Disney movies that 
uh, adapted those stories. It's an interesting thought, and I, I don't think that this movie would exist if the animated film hadn't come out before it. So, for those of you who don't remember, Hook is the story uh, that takes place. It's it's got to be like 80, 90 years after the events of the Peter Pan novel. Wendy is now a very aged woman. She's like in her hundreds, I think, at this point. She's like really old. And Peter has uh, fallen in love with the granddaughter, Moira. He decides to live in the real world, which means that he is no longer, he's no longer susceptible to never aging. So he finally does age, but after leaving Neverland, he remember, he loses all memory of his time in Neverland. It's an interesting concept and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because this person, Wendy, in the movie is the real life version of Wendy from, I guess, the cartoon from the 50s. Right. And J.M. Barry. The real-life author was in the movie her next-door neighbor and loved her story so much he wrote a story about it which would be Peter Pan and Wendy and, and, and their adventures in Neverland yeah that was cool it's an interesting concept but it's weird that Peter growing up around uh, Wendy and Moira and everyone doesn't have any memories of Peter Pan's adventures considering his life is so tied to this person um, and when he goes, I know. when he goes to Neverland, he has no memory of Hook. He has no memory of who Peter Pan is. He has no memory. It's it's a weird thing that he just doesn't. It's like a mental block, even though everyone around him knows. That's the only way that anybody could probably extend, explain that because it made no sense that <laughs> Wendy had remembered everything. Her brother, uh, what was his name? Uh, I forget if that the was that Michael who... or lost marbles yeah that was the young that was the youngest one the one with the teddy bear i think right i believe so yeah i, I can't remember at this point okay. there were certain yeah. like moments in this movie that i was just like you know this would be a really or this would be a passable a passably good movie if they didn't have like these corny characters <laughs> i lost my marbles <laughs> see i didn't lose my marbles at all yeah it was a weird it was weird but it's still charming it's it's hard to it's hard for me to like say it's a good movie, but I did enjoy it, you know. And I think that's part of partly because I I grew up with it, partly because I have some memory of it. But um, yeah, characters like that really drag it down. What did you think of when they finally got into Neverland and Peter still doesn't remember his memory or he doesn't have his memories like that there's there's a good like 20 to 30 minutes of time spent in neverland before peter even remembers who he is what do you take from those scenes because that's where the film originally lost me and i i love <laughs> i i wasted my first rental <laughs> so yeah that was a weird spot in the movie i think in that first or that first 30 minutes of Peter being back in Neverland that was when the movie kind of started catching me a little bit more yeah it was a little weird and confusing but Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook was really interesting <laughs> I think that he captured that character pretty well because when I think back on the cartoon on how Captain Hook acted and I see the way that Dustin Hoffman acted as Hook 
it was pretty well done. Them figuring out that Peter Banning was really Peter Pan, and they're like, oh my gosh, like, is this really him? He's old, and he's like, oh, he's older, and he's kind of wimpy now, and, you know, this can't be him. And so I guess they kind of run by some code of honor because he allowed Tinkerbell to take Peter Banning to kind of shape shift him back into Peter Pan and that was interesting one of the the scenes that I really enjoyed was the food scene oh man we are because, on like, totally everybody opposite was... we are on totally opposite ends of the spectrum there because you like it I'm just like that's the worst scene ever dude it, well I, I liked it because it reminds me of you know being a kid and just you know pretending to eat a meal like okay you, yeah, yeah you yeah, remember yeah. being a kid and like you're like man like I, I want you know if i had this you know i'd be like you know you just chomp right into it kind of when he tapped into that imagination and he started seeing all that that was it was kind of, it was a weird scene because i mean like it didn't really seem like he tapped into his imagination in that moment because like he just hit something in it some like random splooge just like hit what was that it wasn't like was it like a cream was it like a yogurt <sighs> i like 90 percent of what was on that table looked like some kind of it looked disgusting icing right it, it looks weird yeah, yeah like i mean something that you would imagine the tea party in alice in wonderland type. yeah you know? it was like it was like a cross between that and the cat in the hat or something like that it, it was like a sherbet uh textured <laughs> and colored substance that was just everywhere and it sucked to everything so my enjoy enjoyment of the film is different than yours clearly i actually did enjoy the beginning of the movie where peter is uh not who he was basically he's uh i don't know what he does he's i'm, I'm assuming he's like a businessman or a lawyer or whatever i forget right i don't know it was weird because at first he sounded like he was in acquisitions and then it sounded like he was a lawyer. Like I could not. That was like real estate. Pinpoint. I have no idea. Yeah. I could not pinpoint what his job was. I, I think he he like works on companies to make them more profitable. I think that's what they were trying to get at. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting concept because what would Peter Pan do once he leaves Neverland? And clearly, he f totally forgot about who he was. I know that was. He totally forgot about why he was in Neverland in the first place. And the the film questions that... They, they take those themes of forgetfulness that's pretty synonymous with Neverland. You, you don't get it too much in the movie, but in the book, very shortly after entering Neverland, Wendy and her brothers begin forgetting the real world. And it's very easy to imagine how Peter Pan could have forgotten uh, what it would be like to live a normal life. And it's, it's an interesting twist that once he goes back to the real world, he totally forgets about Neverland. So that the theme of forgetfulness is, is still intact in this movie. And even his kids, what's his kid's name, Jack? I think Jack forgets about him and uh, what his home really was. And it's, it's a trick of Neverland that just keeps you in this endless cycle of lost boys versus pirates. But, but yeah, I liked, I liked the beginning um because it was an interesting thing but it took too long to get into neverland 
and I think it was very contrived. Uh, once they got to Neverland, it was like Camp City. Like everything was super campy. The Lost Boys were out there, bro. Like they had like ramps. They had like uh, parasail uh, skateboards. <laughs> It was definitely a level in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like it was the, their treehouse thing. That it was crazy. That was the most elaborate set for anything that I can like think of on the top of my head. But yeah, it, it's Dude, it had that huge that huge slingshot. It was something. There was like a an incredible amount of like fat shaming for that poor kid. Um, what was his name? His name they named him Thud. Yeah, I looked at his like IMDb. The the character's name is Thud, but. The, the fat the fat black kid that like uh, he plays thudball and he basically um, rolls down a staircase really weird oh yeah at the end of the movie I was like that is the most disturbing thing like his just his legs just like contort and he, he becomes a roly-poly basically that was like a cartoon moment right there yeah it there were some moments that really work though and that's that's why this movie is such a, a mixed bag in my opinion it is it is like it, it didn't do so well with critics but with the audience it kind of struck a chord with them i could understand why there's a following behind it but i can also see why it didn't do so well critically Oh yeah. oh yeah. I know that that's I think that kind of goes with the whole mixed bag. I think it's confused about what kind of film it wants to be. Does it want to be super campy or does it want to be a heartwarming story about parenthood? Because that's another theme that they went uh, full steam with that they took kind of from the novel and the movie. If you remember correctly, when Wendy comes to Neverland, she's there because the kids need a mother. They need someone to tuck them in at night. They need someone to tell stories to and cook uh, meals for. And all these lost boys are literally, literally lost because they don't have parents. And that's this is where they go. So they play on those themes like, what if Peter was a father, but he lost his kids or his kids lost him. And it's him trying to get those kids back. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And then like there's the one line with like Rufio, like he dies just like... Um, so what are your thoughts on Rufio? Rufio, Rufio. I liked his character. I I liked that he was kind of like that kid that filled in the spot for a Peter Pan when he left. Mm -hmm. He he essentially became the new Peter Pan for that group. And I don't blame him for doubting him when he came back. Oh no, no. Because. You know, it's like, yo, this guy, he disappeared, looks nothing like how he did the last time we saw him. I think Rufio was a needed character for that character development for Peter Banning mm -hmm. to become Peter Pan. His character was probably one of the few that wasn't the campiest. Like, there was, like, Thud was, like, one of the most, like, uh, campy characters yeah. out of all of them. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. I agree. I think Rufio is an interesting enough character that he kind of writes himself a little bit. You kind of understand that there's a power vacuum of sorts or a leadership vacuum after Peter leaves. Although it's not clear if everyone there remembered Peter or if these are new kids who only know the story of Peter. 
you know because um i think in the book a lot of the lost boys came back to the real world if i remember correctly at the end of it so i i assume most of these lost boys are new kids on the block and and they keep calling peter the pan instead of peter pan so it's almost like he's a legend to them yeah that sounds a that sounds about right yeah he did seem much more of a legend to them than a friend that somebody they yeah 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 it was it's interesting there's there's actually like the more i talk about it the more i like can appreciate it um dustin hoffman man talk about a performance like i mean it was not a fantastic performance like it wasn't like an acting uh it's not oscar worthy for sure right but right it's fun he did he like really hammed it up and he had he at did. it yeah he did like i it was hook is an extremely campy character mm-hmm. in general and i think he lived up to that i think he did really well with him having that fear of the the clocks and the ticking that captain hook did in the in the uh, animated film and so yeah i think he did a great job for captain hook i, I you know and when I mean great job, I don't mean that, yeah, like you said, it's not some Oscar-worthy performance, but it is a worthy performance for Captain Hook. I think that he's been the best live-action Captain Hook that I've seen. Yeah, and you think of, I guess perhaps nowadays, you wouldn't have such a campy performance of Hook. They would probably go for something more real or yeah. um, I kind of picture like uh, the Joker almost you know he's a character kind of similar-ish to the Joker um, he's got some unknown past he's got problems he's maniacal for the sake of being maniacal and he has a villain um, and you had the 1989 uh, uh, Batman film with Jack Nicholson being the Joker and he was super campy and it was a fun performance not oscar worthy but it was campy and it worked for that film it worked for the, what, what they had going in gotham in that movie but moving forward to 2012 i believe the dark knight came out when heath ledger reinvented what the joker meant so i feel like nowadays they, they would do a, a, a different take on hook but for the time period that this film was made in that was the the type of villain that they wanted to create and I kind of like that. I kind of like how they stuck to their guns. And I kind of like how it's pretty much a, a, a faithful uh, carryover from the, the book and film. One thing I, I one character I, I didn't particularly care for um, was Tink, Tinkerbell. Oh, uh, Julia Roberts. Not, Tinkerbell. yeah, I don't think it was necessarily Julia Roberts' fault. I don't think she looks like Tinkerbell, first of all. The the book describes her looking very differently, and, and the movie also describes her looking differently. But also, it's more the, the acting, uh, or the, what, the, what the script gave her. So, if you recall Tinkerbell from the movie, she's feisty. She is always getting angry with Peter. She's always... Uh, she's nagging, but she's also kind of sweet at the same time. Julia Roberts' take on the character was very, very different, where it was like all sweet all the time, or all lovey-dovey all the time. And it was interesting. And, you know, you, you do get the, the hints from the book and film um, that Tinkerbell is in love with Peter, but she can never have him. So it was kind of nice at the to actually have some payoff in this movie, if that makes sense. Yes, there was that scene where 
she grew to his size for a moment. Mm -hmm. I don't like how was she able to do that? Like I don't remember what in was the it movie, that she did. In the movie she she claimed that it was her one wish for herself. Oh. Hmm. I don't remember if fairies even have wishes, but <laughs> I guess in this movie they do. And that's fine, whatever. It's their movie, make their own rules, whatever. But yeah, it was it was a weird... I, I kind of liked it though. She finally got what she's always wanted, but it couldn't last. And that's kind of the story of Peter Pan. Nothing really lasts about him. Oh, um, one thing I really, really love. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking uh, more than usual on this podcast. I'm not giving you an no, opportunity to talk. Um, there's a the, the line when Peter and Hook are fighting, and it's a classic line uh, from the book, and I think they, they use it in the movie as well. To die would be a great adventure. To die would be a great adventure. Uh, and then Hook says... Death is the only adventure you have left. The, the classic line is kind of like twisted in, in this, and then at the very end of the movie, Peter says something like, to live will be a great adventure. So it's it's kind of like... Yeah, Peter can stay in Neverland forever, but he also has the opportunity now to live a life and remember who he is at the same time and be there for his children. So it's it's kind of, there's a lot of little heartwarming messages in it that kind of tie back to the original themes of the story of Peter Pan. And I like it for that, but for everything else, it's <laughs> it's not that good. Well, something else that I noticed about Captain Hook was that Captain Hook was actually a learning tool for Peter. Because remember, there was that scene that Captain Hook had with his son, Jack, where he set up that whole like baseball game and like he was like kind of there for him. He was being that father figure that Jack wanted. Mm. And so it showed, and so Peter was kind of sneaking up to steal his hook. And so he caught a glimpse of that and he would, he, it really showed him that it meant a lot to his son that he was there. Yeah. Or that he wanted him to be there, you know? That was actually a really good scene. And again, the sets in this movie are incredible. Like it's very, you know, like I can imagine every set. Uh, like I don't have to think very hard. You can picture. Right. Very, very uh, strong imagery on like the the ships that they built, the treehouse, uh, the 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 tunnel underneath the tree to their old home, the baseball field that they build, the hooks little suite that he has, and all the clocks, and of course the big gray crocodile. There, there's so much like really interesting imagery in this movie that really sticks with you, and I think that's where the nostalgia, for the most part, is. But like you were saying, I forget if you said it on, on the podcast or off, but you were saying something along the lines of, it's like a dream. You remember it in like a haze. And I think that's because the story kind of goes everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Those sets that you were talking about, it's something that I would imagine what a Disney ride would look like. Mm. <clears throat> Maybe one of those like walk on set type of rides like the, that uh, like, Disney has. Like the Tom Sawyer uh, Island one or the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse in Disney World. Yes. Yes. So that's something that I kind of pictured those sets. Like, it, I mean, they look clearly fake. Oh, yeah. But they're still impressive. Yeah, I, 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 did, I did appreciate that. And I can appreciate the film for that. The practical effects, pretty much. Yes. Uh, I mean, this is a time 
just before CGI was about to take off. I, I, I don't know if there was any CGI in this movie. I don't think there was. It, I, I think there was just layering over film and superimposing images like Tinkerbell flying or whatever. Spielberg's next film would be CGI heavy. Uh, it would be the first time in his career that he uses CGI a lot in a film, and that's Jurassic Park. But we'll, we'll talk about that another time. It's it's an interesting jump, though, from this movie to Jurassic Park. And then what's even a crazier jump between this movie and that movie is his next movie, Schindler's List. Oh, man, that was such a good film. Did you know that he uh, released Schindler's List and Jurassic Park in the same year? Really? Yeah, and Schindler's List... Is it really that same year? 1993 yeah schindler's list won the best picture that year and jurassic park became the highest grossing film ever that year so it was like that was the best year of his career man (laughs) oh my gosh 93 but 91 not so much although this was a commercial success uh and people do look fondly on the film um i don't think many people would consider it like a canon sequel to the story of Peter Pan, even though it tries very hard to fill that role. I was impressed with the effects with uh, Peter and Tinkerbell and showing that uh, Tinkerbell was small. Okay. Like the way that they had set it up though, that, <clears throat> that effect when she was in the dollhouse, it looked really, really cool. It didn't look bad for its time. You know, there were some of the moments like, the moment where he first meets Tinkerbell and it's like obviously like somebody like dang like kind of dangling something around that's like really shiny okay and it looks so funny it it kind of made me think of the fly scene from Karate Kid okay yeah like yeah, there's yeah, somebody yeah. there just like kind of like bouncing this this like fairy looking thing around and <laughs> and one of the things that I liked that he had said something like firefly from hell <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that and doesn't he hit it like like it, he like swats it away and, and, then, and then yeah and then he says something else that like made me laugh after that too well robin like, williams is like, like, like just that out. bug's gotta go or something like that <laughs> but yeah no, but yeah no it's it, it, it was funny though like when he's like firefly from hell that i was like oh my gosh it was good, man. Uh, Hook is... It's a, the, uh, like you were talking about with the, the effects with Tink. Um, I think that... I'm sure this wasn't the first time they'd done like miniature people next to right, big people. Yeah. But I think that style of film would get better and better as the 90s moved along. Because then you had films like The Borrowers and Indian in the Cupboard. Um, Indian in the Cupboard was also uh, produced by Kathleen Kennedy, who produced this film as well and i don't know if you remember the indian in the cupboard at all but oh yes yes yeah i remember that but the 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 indian toy that becomes real yes and i I think that technology or that like effect of like making a smaller person next to a larger person gets better as the 90s go on and yes that's a film i need it didn't look bad in and it didn't look bad in hook though no it didn't. i would say that like i was pretty surprised how well it looked for the time yeah i I could tell every time that they were like flying that it was on strings and stuff and like oh yes yes yes. uh, they were on like a green screen and stuff like that so that was very uh noticeable but overall i mean it was a very it was campy but it was enjoyable yes i agree any last thoughts anthony on hook 
I understand why it has its cult following. I see what's enjoyable about it. Would I say it's one of my favorite movies? No, but I do look fond on it. It's always nice to see Robin Williams in a film. Mm. I think he kind of brings his own magic to a film. And so seeing him doing his thing in that film, it was, it, it was nice, you know. Was it one of the better films that he was in? No, but I don't think it was the worst. No, I don't think so. I, I agree. It, it's 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 always good to go back to Robin Williams movies because he brings his all to them. He really puts his heart into the roles that he embodies, uh, whether they're good roles or not. Right. And this is one of them that he does a really good job of. You know, he really embodies Peter Pan by the end of the film. And I really, I keep saying really. Anyway, I really enjoy this movie. Um even though it's definitely. like not a good movie. It's not a good movie. <laughs> it's the best 90s movie. No, I'm just kidding. No. Anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you so much for listening up to this point. Please be sure to follow us in the show notes. We'll have linked our Instagrams and Twitter uh, handles. So you can uh, join us over there. Be sure to share this podcast or your favorite of our episodes that we've uh, released. If you want to see the show continue to grow, um, I know that Anthony and I are both very passionate about it. We both enjoy filming it every week and we're trying to make it better and better. So if you have any tips and tricks as to how we can make this uh, better, if you have any cheat codes we can use, we'd love to hear them. Send them our way, please. Please. That was good because you said film. Did I actually? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you did. Dang, man. I'm so used to being on Geek Critique that like, I will never mm. like shake that I that 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 thing of uh you know we're filming or whatever right right you when you text me like oh when do you want to film the other day like i mean like i i understand what you're talking about right. it kind of made me chuckle though i was like oh film i i, I think i even text you i was like lol film yeah, yeah. yes with with that we're at the end of our episode like dakota said join us on twitter and our instagram we post our updates and releases mostly on Twitter. We also post our upcoming and our releases on Instagram too. Uh, our Twitter is at pgeekology and our Instagram is Project Ecology, all one word. And yes, we will post it in the show notes. So if that's better for you, go check that out. And yes, have a great rest of your week. Stay safe and look out for our next episode, which will be on ready player one we will be talking about the book and the film and i am very stoked on that because i love both dakota i hope you have a great rest of your week and i hope you are ready for next week because it is going to be a doozy yes we're gonna dig deep into easter eggs and cheat codes and um vr all right guys thank you so much have a good one your adventures are over oh no To live will be an awfully big adventure. <laughs> <laughs>